Welcome to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. And we all know that is a very, very true statement. Hang them all. Hang them all. Welcome to another edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. I'm Harry Alexander, along with Bunker de France and in Los Angeles, Todd Roberts. Howdy, gents. Howdy, howdy. And gentlemen, how are we today? And we use that term loosely. <laughs> All right, today yeah, we've been called that, that at yeah, pointed moments. Yeah, yeah, true. Been called many other Just things too. Just before we drew our guns. <laughs> Anywho, uh, we got us a pretty decent program for today. We're going to talk about uh, a cartographer uh, from that's Yield. That's a map maker. That's a map maker. Maker for uh, those of you who may not know what that is, uh, what that profession is. Uh, Joe Bruff, he was a, uh, a sketch artist, he was an adventurer, he was an artist, he was a cartographer, he was a merchant seaman, and we'll get to him in just a little bit. First, I want to tell you about uh, coming up Saturday, September 23rd at sundown, which is around 7 o'clock, out at the Empire Ranch down in Sonoya. It's, yeah, what's that? It says 23 here. Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me, I've shut my mouth. And you know, they've already scheduled you for the 23rd, you know, so you best be there. That better be. <laughs> it's an outdoor screening. It's free, by the way. Outdoor screening, Night of the Lepus. And uh, our own Bunker de France is in that movie. And uh, when was that made, sir? Uh, s- <laughs> 70? I don't oh, know. Boy, it, was what a, made, it was made after her eye chaperone. What a fountain of information. Anywho, <laughs> that's out at the Empire. Rabbits as big as Volkswagens. There you go. That's what it's all about. It's a modern-day Western, uh, Southwestern type Sci-fi. of story. Sci-fi, horror movie. Uh, it's part of the uh, uh, Loft Film Festival on the road, made possible by a grant from the National Endowment for the Arts, with support from Desert Diamond Casinos and Entertainment. Empire Ranch is on the uh, Highway 83 as you're heading down to Sonoida and uh, look for the signs and follow them there. Take your own chairs because... Or blanket. Or blanket. <clears throat> or just sit on the ground because there ain't going to be no chairs. <laughs> and another note uh, <clears throat> I would just learned from Todd that uh, one of our uh, past guests, Joe Musso, is in the hospital and we wish him well, many, many wishes well. So, Bunker de France, you're the guy who, uh, oh, you've got a birthday or something there. I've got, okay. I've got some dates here. I like doing dates. Gotcha. And this is, the very first one's a special one for Harry. This goes back to the 7th. This fellow was born in 1902. Roy Barcroft's birthday. Oh! <laughs> Republic's heavy. Yes. Uh, what is, oh, let's see, the 11th, which would be Monday, that's Patriots Day, so fly your flags. Mm-hmm. And then on the 15th is National POW MIA Recognition Day. Also on the 15th, Rosh Hashanah starts. That's right. So, happy Rosh Hashanah. Uh, happy Rosh. Have a good Rosh. Good Rosh. <laughs> All right, Bunker de France, you're the guy who came up with this topic about uh, Joe Gruff. Tell us all about him. Oh, it's my fault, huh? It is. Oh, okay. Well, it's Joseph Goldsboro Ruff. He was he was born in 1804, and he passed away in 1889. So he was either 84 or 85 years old when he croaked. Wow. But and it's interesting because it's pretty much he's pretty much known for the diaries that he kept when he went on he went out to California mm-hmm. there was a, a portfolio of original drawings and 11 different diaries I mean he, he he wrote everything down he went there after the gold rush is that correct well no he went in 49 uh, okay during the gold rush during the gold rush but he was also there before, with Fremont wasn't he no no he he was in Washington oh, working, working oh. Okay. Uh, as a cartographer for okay. the government. Uh, the, the diaries describe an 1849 expedition uh, that they went from St. Joseph, but through it they went by way of St. Joseph, Fort Kearney, Fort Laramie. This is like a travel log. Okay. South Pass, Sublette's Cutoff, Bear River, Contentment, uh, Loring, 
Raft River, the Humboldt, Lassen's route to Deer Creek, and then also Buff's Camp, where he got he got uh, abandoned. And it contains maps and sketches from the journey and notes on life in California. Now the journals were written from the diaries. What that meant, what mean there is that when he got back, one of the colleges uh, transferred the notes and stuff into journals. Mm-hmm. So it's actually. If you can look at the actual diaries, there's more stuff that that's in the German. The journals are really extensive. Uh, but this is interesting because one of the things that he would do on the trail, and you're, you know, this is after putting, you know, you know, starting out with the crack of dawn and going until dark, mm-hmm. and then setting up camp, and eating, and while everybody else is like crashed and sleeping, he's sitting by the fire, taking. Uh, transcribing his notes, making sketches and drawings, and he was prolific. I mean, it's it's amazing what hmm. all the stuff he did. Okay, what do we got? The, the journals we have were written from the diaries. The notebooks contain uh, more sketches from the trip, uh, equipment, there are memorabilia, uh, supplies, equipment, roots, remedies, uh, and he was Ruff was a, a draftsman in the Bureau of Topographical Engineers, and he organized and led the 1849 expedition, uh, which was which was called Washington City and California Mining Association. How they came up with that name, I don't know. <laughs> but again, like I said, he was born on October 2nd, 1804, and he died uh, April 14th in 1889. And one of the interesting things is along on the trip, as he would come across graves, he would transcribe what was on the graves. Hmm. He kept extensive grave uh-huh. notes. I guess you call them grave notes. I don't know. Uh, his education, he, he, uh, he went to West Point, the U.S. Military Academy. His occupations were draftman, cartographer, amateur artist, merchant seaman. He uh, served as a draftsman in the U.S. Navy and map maker for the U.S. Army. Uh, later in life, he was architectural designer at the U.S. Department of the Treasury. And it's interesting, his father was Thomas Bruff. He was a well-known physician and dentist and in, invented and held the patent for the coffee grinder. I'll be darned. How about yeah. that? So I, I guess we owe royalties here. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, And this is interesting because he was born in Washington, a, a well, well-to-do area, and died just a few blocks from where he was born. Mm. Yeah. He uh, apparently uh, got involved in a duel in 1822, and that resulted in his either either resignation or dismissal from West mm-hmm. Point. Very we don't good. know who he with with whom he dueled. It was uh, Aaron Burr. No, no, <laughs> I think he was already gone. Yeah. Well, let's see what we got here. I'm moving on. Oh, he capped. Uh, Captain the expedition of 66 well-equipped men in uniforms of his own design, which is unusual in itself. Everybody was pretty much back then, whatever they had in the closets, what they wore was. Yeah. And he organized the armaments, obtained 14 wagons, uh, 14 large tents, 70 mules, was referred to as captain, which was an honorary title, but for the rest of his life, they called him captain, or if you close friend, cap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right, right. Exactly. Okay, and this is interesting. He and his group were re- uh, received by President Taylor at the White House before they left, and then they, they kind of had like a little parade out of town. Uh-huh. And that was on the 2nd of April, in the 1849. He was a master mason affiliated with Federal Lodge Number 1, and I think that was George Washington's lodge. I'm not sure about that. Uh, he joined the Grand Lodge of California when he was out there, uh, Number 13. Uh, on his return from California, he became a Knights Templar in the Washington and Washington Commandery, again, Federal Lodge Number 1. Now, he was a member of the Metropolitan Mechanics Institution for four years. The Washington Monument Association was recording secretary for the National Art Association, National Institution 
for the promotion of science, Society of the Oldest Inhabitants of Washington City. That shows you how long his family was. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then I see what he. Oh, he also he made maps for uh, Florida and the Mex the Florida and Mexican War. Interesting. That would have been probably the Seminole Wars and, in Florida. Yeah, the Mexican War. Okay, yeah, here we get. This is the thing. Let's see what it says because this is dealing with the, the Westport incident that you mentioned. Okay, now he did that. And then he spent uh, the next five years traveling the world as an itinerant seaman. This included at least three years as an acting master mate on a U.S. Navy ship. Now, while he was at the Army Bureau of Topographical Engineers, one of his most important projects was to make copies of all the maps and drawings that were included in Captain John C. Fremont's report to Congress. He also, again, made maps for the Mexican and American War. Uh, the California, we see. Oh, yeah, I don't know what this has to do. It's on the California. He recorded his meeting with Colonel Benjamin Bonneville at Fort Kearney. Oh, I remember that. Uh, they met and were talking about it, and apparently, uh, uh, the, the colonel's group was like a horseback thing. You know, we go here. Ruff's camp on Lassen Road was some 25 or 30 miles from present town of Vena, California. It was snowed in. Oh, companion and his, compa yeah, his companion was a grizzly bear. <laughs> okay. Now this is it from an account in the weekly Arizona Miner, 30 June 1876. Prescott, Arizona, and that that was a, a, that was one of the early, I guess one of the earliest uh, detailed newspaper account of the thing. Huh. By 1887, Bruff was the oldest employee of the U.S. government until early 1890 until early 1889. Member of the National Art Association, served as secretary. Okay, Washington Association engineers. Like I said, I'm going to repeat some of this. Um, founding member. Personal library included 322 volumes. Wow. Collection of ancient coins. I said they showed some pictures of some of those. Native American weapons and tools. I just showed as varied his interest was. Geological specimens, animal tusks, letters from notable Americans, mementos from historical sites, as well as portraits of famous people he admired. Wow. This guy is amazing. Couldn't keep a job, but... Uh, <laughs> well, no, he had very long... But he, except when he quit to go off to well, yeah, see I, the elephant. Being, being facetious, of course. Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, he's responsible for what later became the California Trail. Mm -hmm. uh, is it too early to dig into that? Do you have more? Mm, I'm all over the place, so... If you want to, do, if you want to call so what's on, the Cal ahead. No, I'm asking what what is what is the California Trail or what was well, it? Well, basically that was the that was what became one of the main routes during the gold rush, overland routes. That's where they, in the, that one portion of it was the, the Lassen Trail, which is the one not too far from uh, where the uh, uh, Donner Party, you know, a few years mm -hmm. earlier, mm -hmm. uh, croaked. Interesting. Yeah. Todd, any information on? Um, on uh, Bruff uh, from your state? Well, I just, it's, it's this is truly a, a full life here, you know, and it, it's, it's a little difficult to fully comprehend all the things he did, but when you think about the fact that, number one, he uh, witnessed the War of 1812 with the British in Washington, D.C. He uh, then met a president. Uh, he then goes off, as Bunker says, and explores the West when it was completely un, you know, right after, shall we say, right after uh, uh, um, uh, Lewis and uh, Meriwell, the Lewis and mm -hmm. uh, uh, Clark. Uh, he then comes back and he details everything so that he can share all these amazing experiences. And then he becomes a architect for the U.S. government and serves as the oldest employee in the United States government. That might be the greatest of all of his accomplishments, to be the oldest living 
uh, U.S. government employee. I mean, <laughs> that is amazing because yeah. we know how the U.S. government is. I mean, well, he, he died. if they see you uh, yawning at lunch, they fire you yeah. by dinner. Yeah, so he was born in 1804 and died in 1889. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. yes. And my math is terrible because it's Tucson Unified School District. <laughs> um so, yeah. what, how many years are we talking there? Well, it was either 84 or, from the dates that I'm looking at, it would be 84 years old. All right, so Joe Biden is really trying to uh, trying to match him out. Yeah, except yeah. Biden couldn't do one one-hundredth of what this guy yeah, did. Yeah, no kidding. Or could still do at yeah, that age. I, yeah. yeah, no question about well, that. Well, Biden can't eat ice cream without uh, stepping on himself, and he can't ride a bicycle. Yeah, there you go. He can't chew you know, gum either. <laughs> you know, I, please don't get me started. I really had a nice day today. Okay, I'm sorry. And I'm, and I'm happy to be chatting with you both. Um, but, you know, I I might whip out the fire hose at this point. All right, all right. Then we'll, what we'll do is we'll go ahead and take our first commercial break and uh, talk. Break away, yeah. And, uh, and, and and cool down, and, and then we'll come back, back and talk. To normal, yeah, whatever that uh, is. yeah, Abby, normal. Uh, we'll talk more about uh, Joe Bruff after these important messages on Emil Francie's Voices of the West with Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts. We'll be right back. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were built. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and a hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Are you looking for a smart way to invest your hard-earned dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. I, Miss Wilkinson, is now Wilkinson Wealth Management. 7411 East Tanker Verde in Tucson, 520-777-1911. Watch Old West silent movies anytime at VoicesOfTheWest.net We all make promises, big and small. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. I do solemnly swear to help you when you are in need. To be considerate and caring. To be your loving, faithful friend, partner, child, parent, neighbor. One of our most important commitments is to support our nation's veterans. Learn how you can help a veteran going through a difficult time by visiting maketheconnection.net. You're so drunk you can't hit nothing. In fact, you're probably seeing double. I have two guns, one for each of you. This is the Voices of the West. Colors are flying, today's a big show. The cowboys are whooping the big rodeo. Announcers are busy, the horns give up too. Cowboys drive doggies to the end of the shoe. Hold on, little doggies, hold on. When I tighten my lariat, you're gone, you're gone. So make your feet fly, they'll be tied by and by. Hold on, little doggies, hold on. We're back on Amo Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts with you. We're talking about the life of Joe Bruff. Uh, he was... Uh, yeah, I know. He was... Uh, 
a government architect, uh, and I'm wondering if maybe he might have been an inventor following in his dad's footsteps as well, because he's done, uh, I'm reading here from the Library of Congress that he did uh, a lot of um, drawings, architect- I, I guess they would be architectural drawings, yes, they were. Uh, for uh, picket, pickets of fences. Mm-hmm. He did everything. He did cornices, columns, you know, the fancy ornamentation yeah, yeah. like across the top of yeah, the building. Yeah. He did tons and tons of that stuff. I want to go back for a minute, though, to the uh, his troop of men. Uh, the party of 66. Now, they were neatly uniformed in gray frock and pants, felt hats, armed with rifles, muskets, and a few large fowling pieces, the necessary accoutrements, canteen, gum suits, that's rain gear. Yep. Uh, the, where, where was we got here? Oh, uh, blanket, pair, a pair of revolvers and belt, large bowie knives, that's for Joe Musso, <laughs> uh, a belt hatchet, Lots of ammunition, uh, and among the among the uh, crew, there was an artist, an ensign, twelve carpenters, a blacksmith with a portable field forge, and a physician. Again, fourteen wagons, fourteen tents, seventy mules. Wow, that's a lot of mules. But see, that that shows you. He knew the difference between using horses, which give out mm. and don't last, oxen, which takes forever, mm-hmm. and mule, which are the most reliable. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is this is a this is a, something from some of the work that he actually did later. He did an engraving on paper at the Smithsonian. It's at the Smithsonian Art Museum, and it's a national inauguration ball, fourth April 1665. Abraham Lincoln, Andrew Johnson. Hmm. So that was just probably mm-hmm. shortly before Lincoln mm-hmm. was assassinated. Yep, yep. Okay, and then that collection contains 264 drawings of scenes from his overland journey of varying places he visited in California and of his sea, uh, sea voyage to the eastern U.S. via Mexico and Panama. There's an online, there's an online archives of California to Huntington, mm-hmm. so you Prunies out there, you can you could probably look it up or visit <laughs> visit the Huntington. Uh, well, it's important to realize that I'm not too far from the Huntington, and I've gone there often. Okay. So now I need to do another exhibit, exactly. uh, another another excursion, another excursion out to the Huntington, and uh, of course then. Uh, Nolan and I will either go to the Hat for pastrami or <laughs> Russell's for cheeseburgers. So any and all comers may show up. All right. And uh, let's go. I do want to say one more thing about his accomplishments, mm-hmm. which are truly amazing, all in with what Bunker has shared. But it's important to note that the man survived a heavy, serious winter mm-hmm. uh, in the Sierra Nevada mountains uh, not too far from Donner Pass. Mm-hmm. And he didn't go to eating himself. Now, no disrespect to any of the members of the Donner Pass, God forbid, but and he got abandoned. Mm-hmm. He was basically by himself and one or two other guys, and they survived it. This man was not only tough, but he was very smart and a good planner. Well, you know, his, this is this is an, I, I failed to mention this earlier, but he was also quite a poet, and in in and in the journals, or actually in the diaries, or should to be more correct, mm-hmm. uh, there there would be like a page and a half of a poem to his wife. Interesting. And here's here's a little quote. This is just three lines for from one of the poems. Hurrah for a trip o'er the plains, no matter for clouds and rains, go ahead is the order that rules. Hmm. Now I have another quote, now this is not from him, this is from uh, James Wilkins, a California 49er, and this is kind of the, uh, expresses the view that a lot of the 49ers had after their experience. He said, I wish California had sunk into the ocean before I had ever heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Now, uh, 
Bruff was one of nearly 90,000 Americans, as well as foreigners, who rushed over to California during the next four years of the, of the gold rush. At least another 300,000 would make his, his journey. Some 35,000 made the overland trip the first year. Imagine the Indians going, where the hell did all these people come from? <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Those 49ers were some of the first Euro-Americans to see and experience the American frontier. Then you think about it, all of the, you know, the mountain men, Lewis and Clark, all that stuff. That was a handful of men. All of a sudden, here's 35 of them, 35,000 just flocking out there. What is it about this gentleman that uh, causes you to want to do a show about this guy? Well, you know, I love history and everything, and cartographers, I love, I'm like you, I love maps, mm -hmm. and I came across something about him in the, in the Roundup magazine, and I read it, and it was interesting, but it stuck in my head, and I, you know, and then something came up, and I just came across it again, and I said, you know, I'm going to look him up, you know, mm -hmm. find out some detail, and that's when I went, wow, this guy, this guy needs to be... Why, why don't we know more about him? Any ideas? I think you know. I think a lot of it is it's the media of the, his day, which is not like wouldn't somebody go going on the six o'clock news or on the internet mm -hmm. or a blog or whatever. It was just you know it was. I mean, you think how busy and how much information was pouring into the East from California. You could get lost. You could get lost in the message. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else have we got here. Uh, with these 40, yeah, okay. Uh, Bruff kept a journal that is considered one of the most detailed and comprehensive of the gold rush era. He was an extraordinary man. I'm going to repeat some stuff here. Sailor, map maker, artist, writer of light verse, amateur geologist. Again, this is going through all the things he belonged to, so I'm going to skip that part. I think it's interesting that so many of his... Uh, collection of his uh, drawings and papers are held by the National Archives, Lib Library of Congress, Huntington Library, the Yale University Library, mm -hmm. and the Smithsonian. And apparently there's 16 art books that uh, talk about his artwork and uh, or include copies of his paintings mm -hmm. and his illustrations. So, you and know, those it, collections are they're not just a couple of things, they're extensive. Yeah. They're journals because you know, one of the things that they print, they published and I guess I guess they sold pretty I'm sure they did because people especially if they're heading out there want to get a kind of sure. an idea yeah, of what yeah, to do. Yeah. And and so it'd be, I guess in some sense he might be like a reference book to a lot of people. That's just interesting and, yeah. and the fact that we don't know that much about him. I mean, no movies have ever been made about him. Uh, any books about him? Uh, well, there's several books here. Let me let me back up for a minute and I'll give give some books if somebody wants to wants to look up stuff about him. Where we where did I do with that list? Well, it should be here somewhere. <laughs> what do I do with it? Okay, that's page five. That's page four. That's page three. We're getting there. What did I do with it? Oh, there it is. It's at the bottom <laughs> of the pile. I think. Yeah, here it is at the bottom of the pile. One of the one, and this is very extensive. 49er, the extraordinary gold rush odyssey of Joseph Goldsboro Ruff by Ken Lizio, L-I-Z-Z-I-O. And this is the one. This is the go-to one. Gold rush, the journals, drawings, and other papers of J. Goldsboro Ruff by J. Goldsboro Ruff. That's it. And then there's another one called Bruff's Wake by H.L. James. And that's kind of kind of it. There's there's a, you can find stuff about there's a book by G.W. Reed and R. Gaines that was published in uh, 1949. I don't have the name of that one. There's a site if you look up Friends of Black Rock, High Rock, Joseph Gerber Bruff, Black Rock Desert, Nevada Weekly. Wiki, and it's about the roots. And again, and again, I don't know why I'm off here. I'm mumbling at myself here. Well, see, look, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go again. I, I like repeating myself because that way I get. I find out where I was. He belonged to the Metropolitan Mechanics Institute, Washington Monument Association, 
service recording secretary for the National Art Association and presented two papers there, which is a pretty big deal. Member of the National Institution for the Promotion of Science. That shows you again how varied it, 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 and how technical he was, too. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had to be. Because you, you read you read the, the diaries and the details that he goes into describe bugs, minerals. I mean, he just, no, nothing was, was beyond his scope of interest. That's something that we don't see a whole lot of yeah, it's today. Like I don't think. Or, yeah. Or da Vinci, uh, yeah. We we just don't see. And, and I, when I worked for the Florida Park Service, I was at Fort Zachary Taylor. Uh, in Key West. Oh, that's his man. Yeah, yeah. And the looking at the drawings and architecture, uh, architectural drawings of, of that fortress. Oh my God! You know, it, it's incredible that the thing ever got built, or that any of them got built, for that matter, because of, of their complexity. Um, but. They were obviously able to do that. So. I wonder if he had any dealings with that, because I didn't see anything mentioned in the, my reading. Well, that was, uh, uh, Fort Taylor was built and uh, started in 1848, uh, just after the election. So, no, he would have been gone then. Yeah. So, no, he didn't get to do that. Okay, his, this is interesting. His journals recorded meteorological data, flora, fauna, and minerals of each region, and his experiences on the trail and in the gold fields. Each day he made entries, drew more than 300 sketches of landscapes and aspects of life on the trail. Oh, excuse me. Uh, some, sorry, some of the first, okay. As captain of the Washington, D.C. Gold Mining Company, he ably led a large party of men across the dangerous and unfamiliar American frontier. He led the party in the manner of a military expedition, which was unusual, and the key to the group's success. Sure, yeah. At the end of each day travel, while others were resting, Ruff was laying out the next day, you know, the trail and whatever they needed to be doing, hmm. and made entries and sketches by campfire light. So, I mean, this guy, he never slept before. <laughs> Apparently not. He yeah. obviously didn't drink either. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. Now we're getting. Now we're getting yeah. to the. This is the good part, uh, Todd. You'll like this. This is this is getting up there. Uh, he's abandoned in the high Sierras when he became ill. Uh, he faced an impossible and solitary winter with stoicism, optimism, and generosity. He helped hundreds of gold seekers worse off than himself. Wow. And uh, he told later he told his wife. He would. Well, he told his wife before he left he would be gone for eight months, but did not return for more than two years. <laughs> uh, keep the light, keep the light in the window, please. Yeah, right. Yeah. During that time, yeah. he made an entry in his journal every day. Though failing to find gold, he turned his trek into a trove of information and illustrations of the West. Now, so at the eve of the gold rush, there were about three. Th I didn't. This was interesting. I didn't, I didn't realize it. This is the population mm -hmm. of California. At the eve of the gold rush, there were about 3,000 Americans and an equal number of Mexicans in California farming, ranching, and hunting. I thought there were way more Mexicans. Hmm. There. Interesting. Yeah, it is. Because it, it, it makes it more understandable about how the Americans were able to take take the state away from them. For sure. All right, we got to do our next commercial break. Our topic today, Joseph Goldsboro Bruff. He was a uh, amateur artist, adventurer, professional draftsman, and a cartographer. And we'll find out uh, some more about him as we explore that on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West with Harry Alexander and Bunker de France and Todd Roberts. We will be right back. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, 
Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Ole Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 ski fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting plays courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. I've been driving trucks for a long time. Safety is my number one priority. I know that my truck has huge blind spots. That's why I remember to check my mirrors often for smaller vehicles. Everyone can help keep our roads safe. Next time you're behind the wheel, try to avoid lingering in those blind spots. It can be dangerous. Let's all plan to share the road safely. Learn how at www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. My name is Rudy Ramos. I played wind in season four of the High Chaparral. And I thank you for listening to Voices of the West. Frenzy's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and John Roberts with you. Our topic today is Jay Goldsboro Bruff. Joseph is the first name, cartographer, topographical engineer, seaman, jack of all trades, and master of a lot of them, apparently. <laughs> well, I'm glad you played that, that cut from Rudy because our movie Saturday at the 30th is high chaparral. High chaparral. Because we can. Because we can. And I can play that music without uh, fear of reprisal because I got the permission from the uh, from the uh, uh, composer's the daughter yes. to play it. Yes. So so there. And she'll be with us in She'll too. be with yes, us at Susan McRae. So okay. can you imagine that this guy does a sketchbook on the trip, but then he does another sketchbook leaving California, mm-hmm. and he sails all the way around the Horn, and stops in Trinidad, and does sketches there. Jeez. And then, the book ends up, the sketchbook, it's two pages, it's a long well, coffee, time, coffee table size book. He sketches the boat, uh, the ship, and the sea, and the, and the different parts. Uh, it's a two-year trip. Uh... He then, somehow the book ends up in England. Mm-hmm. And wow. it goes in auction uh, in 2022 for $25,000 in London. Yes. So, I mean, you, this is just more of his life. And the other thing I love about him so much, and I've never heard of him, and thank you, Bunker, for introducing us to him, is... In his sketches of the native Trinidadians, he does them so respectfully. Mm-hmm. They're, he doesn't turn them into, sure. uh, uh, you know, uh, caricatures or, or you know, the noble savage or anything like that. They're just human beings. And in the middle of it all, he does one of his wife, and he's got a. He did a sketch of a dog and so on. It's just truly amazing how gifted he was and how not just as a topographer, not just as an explorer, not just tough to survive a winter in the Sierra Nevadas, but also to be an artist. He's a true artist. He's very good. And an engineer on top of everything else. I'm looking at a, mean, I'm looking at a webpage here uh, where there's a, uh, for sale is a correct map of the seat of war in Mexico, yeah. and it is selling for $3,750. Yeah, it's a it's a big one here, but 29 and a half by 24 and a quarter. Yeah. You know, so, uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah this, this is kind of a sidebar here, but it's kind of describing uh, the situation in California after after gold was found in June, early June, in San Francisco, the men left 
for the gold fields. There, there's so many of them left that, that it was almost like a gold ghost town. Ghost town, yeah. Like two thirds of them. Yeah. And then also, so many sailors deserted the Navy that they, they quit posting them off the coast of California. <laughs> they were jumping ship. And the That's formal good. announcement by President James Polk of the discovery of gold uh, in California to, in, to Congress was December 5th, 1848. So that's that was, what, I guess, the first official recognition. Uh-huh. Because the bottom of it was just speculation. They said, you know, they were going, yeah, well, we heard of these gold fields before. Because they had some down and down in the south, a couple of big gold rushes. Uh-huh. Anyhow, moving on, let's see here. Uh, and this is, this is, I thought this was, this is not interesting. It's interesting, but it's in a dark way. Masters brought their slaves from the south to do the digging for them. Mm. You know, the boss set up there drinking, I guess, mint juleps. Uh, mm-hmm. right but that's, that's just that's crap. Anyhow, <laughs> as a draftsman in the U.S. Army Bureau of Topographical Engineers, uh, Ruff was tasked with making duplicates of Captain John Freeman's reports and maps of the gold region for Congress. Around 1827, after several years at sea, he took a job at the Northfolk Gosport Naval Yard. During that time, he joined the Portsmouth Lodge of Freemasonry. The following year, he married his wife, Elizabeth Ann Thompson of Virginia, and fathered a daughter, Mary Ann. By 1850, this is skipping ahead some years, by 1855, the gold rust had injected some $500 million into the U.S. economy. Wow. I wonder, Todd, if he had any dealings with um, um, uh, the fellow that we, or his relatives, uh, Dana Merrill, uh, you know, if he had any... uh, Sure, sure. (laughs) Being a seventh-generation land-grant recipient, uh, Dana Merrill, uh, and not to mention it's... What, What happened? I think we lost him. Okay, we'll move go? on until he comes back. Yep, here. Here, back. here he comes. Okay. Sorry, never, sorry. Okay. Uh, sorry, I hit the wrong button. But he also was <laughs> spilled your drink with... on the console. <laughs> well, uh, hum bunker, I drink every day I get the opportunity. Uh, I drink on any day that ends in wa. There you yeah. go. Um, or has an A in it. But, you know, he also was friends with. Yeah, why Why not? And he was also uh, very respected by the great uh, artist Gatliff, mm-hmm. who was, you know, was very well known. And Gatliff considered him an equal because they did projects together. They they had, they'll, he allowed uh, um, Ruff's work to be published with his. That's, there's no greater compliment. Uh, and I think that this just shows you how diverse and talented this man was, way beyond the talents of a normal person, not to mention tougher than, I would say, uh, most of the people that we know, yeah. uh, especially <laughs> to this day. You know, uh, and, and, talking, and talking about his wife... Um, that woman had the kind of patience that could put Mother Teresa to sleep. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, you know, it's just—it's truly amazing. Truly. Now, this is kind of interesting. In June of 1984, the—and this is just something for you and Nola to think about—the California Historical Association cre- uh, created a stone marker at the site of Ruff's camp on Deer Creek. And the bronze plaque reads, J.G. Bruff, leader of the Washington Gold Mining Company, camped at this site October 22, 1849 to December 31, 1849, while here guarding company goods at what he called his mountain lodge in prosperity. He aided, fed, and cheered many weary, hungry, and sick Sick immigrants struggling to make it to the gold fields. Hmm. That shows you what he was also, you know, a humanitarian. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, this is interesting. This has no, this is nothing that has to do with that. He made some drawings of his camp up there, and one of the things because some a lot of the people going through there, the oxen died, and so it kind of like having a deep freeze. 
you can go out there and dig up some sure. oxen and have yeah. supper. You know. Anyhow, <clears throat> let's see. Here we go. Uh, in account, in account, his details are as complete as could be asked for. Routine matters of driving and cooking, comment, feeling of impact of prairie, hailstorm, and the beauty of a sunset. Explicit about the problems of affording and ferrying, vagarities of fellow travelers as well as his own. Describes major hazards like buffalo hunting and dangers like having once I love this one, like having one's hair freeze to the ground on a cold night. Wow. <laughs> I had never thought about that. Yeah. Wow. Nobody's yeah. ever done it in a western either, you know. Yeah. An, observ- an observant naturalist, entering data on weather, temperature, describing geological formations, vegetation, animal life. Uh, no Indian encounter escaped mention. He was also a necrologist, and that isn't the great Robert. That means he, he kept journals. Uh, in his journals are filled with copies of tersely and pathetic grave markers that lined the journey. Happy occasions as well as more somber ones are recorded. What do we have here? This is interesting. I don't know how to say that one. Well, I'm cruising through uh, online looking at a variety of his uh, um, illustrations, and they're absolutely incredible. The the technical drawings are are just that, technical. And the... the rest of the illustrations are just wow. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, you, you think some of those are, are sketches like an artist would leave yeah. out in the field and make a quick sketch yeah. later on. Yeah. To, so it wouldn't be the, like a finished piece. I mean, geez, apparently he did uh, did a survey for the state of Florida in 1846. Well, I didn't know about that That's one. interesting. Huh. Okay, well, it was originating in Washington, D.C., the trip to St. Joseph, Missouri, was made by coach, train, and boat to Pittsburgh, then by boat down the Ohio River to the Mississippi and up to Missouri. And they left St. Joe May 16th, uh, traveling to the east side of the river, opposite Old Fort Kearney, crossing over into Nebraska, reaching the new Fort Kearney, then up through Ash Hollow, Fort Laramie, South Pass, Fort Hall, following down the Humboldt, River through Nevada, uh, taking Lassen's Cutoff north through the Black Rock Desert. There's some great, great pictures of the Black Rock Desert there. And turn at the uh, turn at the fork in the road and head over to Cal Worthington's uh, yeah. Chrysler Plymouth. <laughs> and it's dog spot. <laughs> it sounds like a Johnny Carson thing it there. Does, for a <laughs> okay, <clears throat> a complete, there is there is a complete list. This is a kind of interesting thing. A complete list of the members of the of the Washington City and California Guard. <clears throat> My throat is going here. Is listed in the newspaper intelligencer <clears throat> of that of April of that year. That was before he left. Mm-hmm. Uh, rough accounts of the meeting with uh, Colony Guards of New York under Captain John McNulty, whose story of crossing 82 miles of the Uteria Desert, where they had to drink their mules' urine. To survive. Okay. That, that's a good. That's, you know, you never hear those stories about the forty. Uh, no, you do not. <laughs> All right. There's there's also a picture here of the California Trail Center. I can't tell where it's at, but uh, it's kind of interesting. It's just really interesting. Well, this is this is a, this is a journal entry. He says there was scarcely space for the wagons to reach the holes. Uh, they're talking about water. For the ox carcasses, I counted 82 dead oxen, two dead horses, and one mule in an area of one-tenth of a mile. Scavengers circled thickly overhead. Wow. Wow. Here's another one. Dead oxen littered the ground near Rabbit Hole Springs in Nevada, which Ruff's party reached late September. Ruff wrote, stench suffocating. The road be perfectly bare of everything but dust, carcasses, and relics. That's all the stuff the people abandoned. Now, there's another, another, another part of the trip. Ferry over the North Platte in Wyoming was eight canoes lashed together down, 
downriver Mormon in, Mormon oh downriver Mormons insisted that they use their ferry. Bruff held them off at gunpoint and pushed off onto this side. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it just goes on and on. Okay, Bruff, this is from his journal of uh, July 31st, 1849. Show, there's a drawing in there. Shows two buttes near South Pass. He says he learned of a family traveling alone who lost their oxen because of Indians. Had he known in time, he would very soon extricate it. Otherwise, but they didn't make it. Wow. All right, we got to do our final commercial break here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Topic is uh, Joseph Goldsboro Bruff. Uh, he was a government uh, draftsman in the Bureau of Topographical Engineers. He was a seaman. He was, you name it, he probably did it. We'll be back. Uh, Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, and Todd Roberts here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Are you looking for a smart way to invest your hard-earned dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. I Miss Wilkinson is now Wilkinson Wealth Management, 7411 East Tank of Verde in Tucson, 520-777-1911. Watch Old West silent movies anytime at VoicesOfTheWest.net We all make promises, big and small. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. I do solemnly swear to help you when you're in need. To be considerate and caring. To be your loving, faithful friend, partner, child, parent, neighbor. One of our most important commitments is to support our nation's veterans. Learn how you can help a veteran going through a difficult time by visiting maketheconnection.net. You're so drunk, you can't hit nothing. In fact, you're probably seeing double. I have two guns, one for each of you. This is the Voices of the West. We're back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Of course, I hit the wrong damn button, but, you know... We circled back. We well, circled back. The Indians we, are after We you. did. Uh, we circled back. Uh, we've got all the sponsors in. Uh, <laughs> uh, Joseph Goldsboro Bruff is our topic uh, here on uh, the program, and I think Todd was talking about this, a previously unknown Gold Rush sketchbook from uh, Bruff, Sold for on August fourth for twenty four thousand one hundred dollars. Good God Almighty! <laughs> That's a nice, pretty penny, wouldn't you say? I reckon for, so. For an artist that no one knows who he is, yeah, or, uh, no one knew him. Period. Yeah, and then he it sells in London, not even here. Yeah, so yeah, it, it just goes to show you how that. Uh, True art and true craftsmanship is always appreciated, no matter where it, it lands. Well, you know it's interesting because his like his his architectural things were cornices mm-hmm. and you know facades and whatnot. Yeah. You know uh, stonework and stuff. And it, 
No, he he did he, he designed a sphinx for one of the monuments there, but the sketches and stuff like that, which are just you know, little they're line they're, drawings. They're, go, they're going for like three to five hundred dollars. Yeah, th- th- this one is. Uh, let's see, it says uh, I can't read it, but it says 1851. Uh, I can't read the initials, uh, but 1851 is carved into a tree. Uh, these are. Scene, it's called Scene in the Sierra Nevada. Oh, I, I know what you mean. And what an, I mean, it's, it's so simplistic. And well, it's sold for twenty four thousand bucks. Yeah, this <laughs> is one of the one of the one of the sketches that's in in the, in the uh, diaries. It's of Independence Rock, rising one hundred and ninety feet above the Sweetwater River in Wyoming, and it was the trail's most famous landmark where travelers carved their names. Ruff's men climbed to the top of it, and he made a sketch from there of the men standing there, looking down 190 feet below wow. their camp. Wow. And then here's another one. There's this perilous path, which was the name of the path. It wasn't just a description. Perilous path in Nevada led to High Rock Canyon. Its base was littered with wrecks. And Buff says, I thought it must be the jumping off place. We double locked the wheels and carefully let the mules successfully. Mm. That's, you know, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Now, this is getting interesting. Chow time on the trail, if the going was good, brought uh, a meal of coffee and buffalo meat heated over a fire of buffalo chips, the manure, or cow's wood, as some called it. <laughs> I'd never heard that before. And it was like, you know, a lot of times it was the only fuel available. Now, here's a, one of the grave markers. There's not much on this. Message. This is one of the grave markers. John Smith died April 1st, 1851, age 21. Wow. And this is, this is just a little, one of his notes. The mule, the mule breaking, the mule understands breaking better than being broke. <laughs> What, another, a, what an interesting guy, Bunker. Yeah. I mean, thanks, thanks for bringing marker. the atten- uh, attention to this. Yeah. Here's another grave marker. Uh, it's inscribed on a rock above the grave. Frederick Richard, son of James N. and Mary Fulkerson, died July 1st, 1847, age 18 years. Wow. Here's, here's a note. Comrade Hill, mule dead, provision sh- Short diggings, run out, varmint and engines, downtime to put. This was when he was in the gold fields. Hmm. He drew fellow miners, Indians, bear confrontations, a San Francisco lynching. Good God. And that's that's a, that's actually mentioned in, in a True West uh, yeah. in September of 2017. Uh, All right, great stuff from this fella, cartographer Joseph Goldsboro rough interesting uh, individual do check him out find him on the online and do some uh, background on him and uh, check him check him out you can because have, you can have fun you can get lost in him yeah for hours I mean I, I am only doing a couple of paid things here but uh, I was starting to get lost so I had to bring my attention back next time we get together on Emil Franzi's voices of the West, we have us a great guest, and Todd Roberts, you tell us about her, please. Uh, the one and only Victoria Jackson, full-blooded Cheyenne, a full-blown cowgirl, all the way, uh, and does it all herself, was taught by her dad and her uncle, lives up outside of Elko, Nevada, is also uh, on her second book, and she has written a book called um, uh, Beyond um, the Desert. Beyond the Desert about uh, Northern Nevada cowboys who are not cowboys. They are known as buckaroos. Thank you very much. And don't call them anything else. And don't call them Shirley. A lot of them are are Basque as well. Interesting. All right, that's coming up next week on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. And in case it's not a next week for you, it is, uh, you know, the next time we get together. And, hey, Bob, while you're thinking about it and uh, getting together to listen to the program, I want to remind you that 
you're listening to a radio player there on the Voices of the West.net website. And by golly, after we're done, and even before we start, there's bunches of old cowboy music on this bad boy. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. It's uh, good, good old stuff, man. And, uh, and often, Nola leaves it on her computer playing awesome. after the show. You know? And yeah. that's the music that we might do some work around the house to. Nothing wrong with Although that. Although, you know, I try to grab a little small flask of hooch and get her to dance, but that doesn't always work out. I hear ya. Buck Golds goes better with booze. I'm telling you. Alright, that's it for this edition of Amo Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, and Todd Roberts, and we thank you. 78, 79, 80 brups to y'all. <laughs> Until next time, folks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West.